Well, good morning again. Once again, thank you. Once again, I'm Paul Donaldson, the pastor of Global Outreach here at Parkview. And I'm so blessed that you came today. I hope and pray that you are able to see God's truths in a new and fresh way that is a blessing to you, not only today, but for the rest of your life. Last week, I stood at the door of Central Campus, and I was just amazed at the number of people bringing shoeboxes filled with practical expressions of your love and Jesus' love that's going to be spread all over the world. What a, what, a, what a praise to God for an incredible work that's going on here. At the same time, I think global outreach at Parkview can seem like a task that's too big to approach. Too many global workers to keep track of. Not enough experience for relating to local people from different cultures or countries. And yet when I see the shoeboxes, I think God is telling us, way to go, and I've got more joy for you to experience if you will simply trust me and obey. Today, as we learn from the Bible, we'll see that Jesus and his disciples were in a very similar position with needs and opportunities that seemed overwhelming. And yet Jesus didn't leave his disciples feeling overwhelmed, but empowered them in some very special ways that are also available to us today as well. Let's ask God to inspire our hearts and minds and hands and feet. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of coming here today or tuning in online. God, we know that you've loved us with an everlasting love. Help us to rest in that and to go deep in that. And if we don't know that, to open our hearts to that, Lord. And not just that that love stops with us, but wells up and overflows like springs of living water into the lives of those that you bring us in contact with. God, we pray that your love would spread all over the world like the waters that cover the seas. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please open your Bibles to the book of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 6, starting with verse 30 and going to verse 44. And I hope that you're always checking what you hear pastors reading and teaching with your own Bibles. If you can't find what we're teaching in the Bible, then I'll just tell you it's not worth anything. Follow along as I read, and we may find today that there's a mistake in your Bible that you might correct. We're going to start under the heading of Jesus Feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples said to him, this is a remote place. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages 
and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. And when we read this passage in the Gospel of John, it says five small loaves and two small fish. As if to say, nothing short of a whale shark is going to make a difference with this crowd. Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. And the book of Matthew tells us that there were women and children there too. Okay, let's deal with the mistake part first. Who fed the 5,000? The heading at the top of the section tells us Jesus feeds the 5,000. And yet when I read verse 37, it tells me that Jesus told his disciples, you give them something to eat. And just to be clear, when we use the word you, it can refer to one person, as in you, or it can refer to a lot of people, as in you, and that's just darn confusing. So our southern brothers and sisters solved that problem with a simple, incredibly useful word known as y'all. If the Bible ever gets translated into a southern U.S. version, there, verse 37 would be translated, y'all feed them. Because Jesus is using the plural form of you with his disciples. If you want to correct the heading in your Bible, depending on how God's leading you, you might change it to Jesus and his disciples feed the 5,000. And this is not a new pattern Throughout Scripture, we can find God using groups of people to carry His message of love to all nations. From the Adam and Eve family's commission to be fruitful and multiply as image bearers of the living God. To Abraham and the nation of Israel who are blessed to be a blessing to all nations. To Jesus and His disciples, the Apostle Paul and his co-workers. You find them at the beginning and the ending of almost all of his letters. And his partner churches, there's a clear pattern of y'all feed them throughout the Bible. Our first question to examine coming out of this passage is, who's your y'all? First, have you entered the family of God? Are you a follower of Jesus? You may be here today and just learning about Jesus for the very first time. And I want to be very clear to everyone that Jesus says in the third chapter of the book of Revelation in verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. 
You can enter the family of God today, right now, where you're sitting, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. And the family of God is all of us who have admitted that we're not perfect. We receive the gift of Jesus dying on the cross for all the ways we've disobeyed God. And we place our hope in new life in him and eternal life with him after this life is over. If you haven't entered the family of God, I beg you not to let another minute pass without talking directly to God and saying, Lord, I need you. Please take over my life and teach me how to follow you. And the Bible promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you do this today, please don't leave without telling someone here and letting us welcome you into the family of God. Once you've entered the family of God, the next step of y'all is getting connected to some other members of God's family in a smaller group of people where you can share life, grow, and serve together. Simply meeting with a small group of people doesn't necessarily access all the blessing that Jesus intends for us to experience. At Parkview, we call our small groups community groups, but really what we call them is much less important than what we're doing in the groups. We can find that the small group Jesus was leading is organized around three main elements of God's word, caring for each other, and mission or serving together. Let's look at where we see these elements in the small group that Jesus was leading. First of all, the group is centered on Jesus as the leader. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us. If your group is not taking time to focus on God's word in the Bible, you're missing some of the blessing. The second component is care. In verse 30, we find Jesus' small group and they're sharing their experiences. Of and of teaching others and this kind of deeper life sharing happens best if you divide into even smaller groups of two or three people you can share difficulties confess sin get encouragement share joys and most importantly pray for each other and if this doesn't work when your whole small group meets maybe you can work it out with one or two others at another time during the week our prayer is that nobody misses the blessing of sharing life on a deep level with your brothers and sisters in the family of God. And finally, serving together or mission takes on a whole new dimension when we work as a group. In verses 35 and 36, the group started working on the problem of feeding everyone together, asking good questions, evaluating resources, listening to Jesus, and thank goodness there was a group when it came time to pass out the food and to collect all those leftovers. Every person who walks in the door of Parkview has gifts and needs to share. As we approach global outreach at Parkview, our small groups have amazing potential for making a difference. Now, there's no doubt individuals have been moving mountains in global outreach at Parkview. But what if those individuals took on their passion of praying for and encouraging our global workers or giving financially or serving in one of our local outreach opportunities and shared that with a group of people 
Now the impact of one is being multiplied and we're moving even greater mountains. Our prayer is that nobody misses out on the richness of connecting with a smaller group of people. And after the service, um, there will be uh, response cards on a table that's out next to the main exit door. If you're interested, you're not connected right now, and you'd like to be connected to a smaller group, you can pick up one of those cards, fill it out, check the box that applies to you. There's a, there's a little wooden box on the table. Just leave the card in there, and we'll get it, and we'll make sure that you get connected. Um, you can talk to me. You can talk to, if there's elders down here for prayer after the service, you can talk to them. You can go to the Connect counter and, and talk to John McHale. You can call the, you call the church office in the middle of the week and say, hey, you know, I've been thinking about it. I want to be connected. Once we have our y'all, the next question is, how are we supposed to feed all these hungry people? The disciples' first idea in verse 35 is to send them away. And when Jesus proposes that the disciples feed them, somebody does some quick math, and in so many words says, if we buy a $5 sandwich for 5,000 men and add on some for women and children, that's over $25,000, Jesus. We simply can't meet this need in any practical way. Even though the disciples have been watching Jesus command the wind and the waves to be still in chapter 4, they've watched him command a legion of demons out of a man in chapter 5. He's healed many people, and he's even brought a dead girl back to life. And yet we still don't believe that he can work through our lack of experiences or resources. Let's look at how Jesus will empower us to meet the global needs around us if we will trust him and obey. The first C word in your outline, Jesus brings compassion because he could see that the people were like sheep without a shepherd. How many of you are familiar with chapter 23 in the, verse, in the, in the book of Psalms in the Bible? It starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall have no wants. And continues on telling about the richness of a life lived under the careful, loving shepherding of our Creator God. And it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And I recommend that you memorize it. Do you know what it's like to live without this shepherding? If you entered God's family as a child, thank God that you may not have memories of a life lived without God's shepherding. If we take Psalm 23, but take out the good shepherd, it gives us a picture of what life can be like for people who are outside the family of God. It's one of the saddest things you may ever hear. Here's Psalm 23 with the good shepherd taken out. My life has no shepherd or caretaker. I have more needs than I can count. I have trouble sleeping. I'm thirsting all the time, and my soul is never at rest. I have no direction in life, and this often leads me down paths that are harmful to myself and others. Death terrifies me constantly, and I'm all alone. I have enemies pursuing me, and they make fun of me. My life is empty. Evil and judgment follow me always, and I have no place that I feel at home. If you are in the family of God, this should break our hearts and stir up the compassion that Jesus felt when he saw the crowd, even though he was tired, even though he and his disciples hadn't eaten. It wasn't a convenient time. 
yet Jesus had compassion on them. And we can have that same compassion if we fix our eyes on him. Jesus takes his compassion and gives us a commission to feed the people who are outside of God's family. For Parkview, this commission has a local and a global component. For example, our global workers are on the front lines of feeding hungry people who have not entered the family of God all over the world. And we play a vital role in supplying those front lines. Our global workers learn new languages. They move to another country. They learn how to relate cross-culturally. They're apart from their family and their relatives. And all of that can be very difficult. What if we divided our 41 global workers among small groups here at Parkview? And if every small group took two global workers, just like dividing the 5,000 into groups of hundreds and fifties, now the task is manageable for focusing on two global workers instead of 41. Praying for them, sending them encouraging messages, welcoming them when they visit, helping to provide for their needs and sharing in their joys and difficulties. Mark Bowman shared with me, just as we were fixing to come up here, he's one of our missionaries serving in Japan, just how beneficial a video call with a small group was. And he said, when it's with a small group, that small group brings so many resources together. And, and when he was starting the business of an English cafe in Japan, he didn't have a lot of business experience. And yet some people in the groups that he was connecting with did. Just one small example of how a group can be an encouragement. Locally, one example is how we have an incredible opportunity to befriend Sudanese immigrants. There's probably around 700 Sudanese-American immigrants right here in Iowa City. And we have a chance to welcome them to the family of God at Parkview. Three times a year, over three-fourths of that group comes here to Parkview. And we have the distinct honor of caring for their children and meeting their parents and making friends with the other adults that come here. What if instead of individuals volunteering, we could have groups volunteer? We have the elementary children divided into five large rooms around this worship center. What if a community group volunteered to manage one of those rooms, to make a plan of activities for the evening, to love this community of people in a very practical way? Jesus not only gives a group compassion and commission, but he also shows us the third C word in your outline, the most important connection. A connection with the Father. He gives thanks before he breaks the loaves and the fish to be distributed among the people. Jesus doesn't ask us to make something from nothing. He says, focus on what you do have versus what you don't have. And thank God for what you do have. And let him show you how he can use something that looks too small in our eyes to feed more people than you could ever imagine. Y'all might feel like your prayers for our global workers are too small to make a difference. But God reminds us in the book of James that our prayers are powerful and effective. Y'all might feel uncomfortable if you come to a Sudan party and see people dressed in a different way speaking a language you don't understand at times, playing music you don't recognize, and you might feel like you have nothing to offer. But God has opened that door to friendship here, 
And please believe he has given you all you need to be a blessing if y'all will just step in with what you have. Do you have health? Do you have a way to get here? Can you put the next party date on your calendar? It's only three times a year. Can you talk with your small group about serving on January 19th? You may have all the tools you need to be a blessing in this outreach. Jesus gives us compassion, commission, connection, and the final C word is cornucopia. I had the three C's, and I said, oh God, is there a, is there a fourth C word that has something to do with abundance? And yes, sirree, there is, right before Thanksgiving. There it is, cornucopia, C-O-R-N-U-C-O-P-I-A. I had to look it up. After everyone was finished eating, the passage says in verse 42 that the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of leftover food. The word for basket that's used here is what the Apostle Paul climbed into and was lowered outside the city wall to escape persecution. Later on in the New Testament, we find that story. So these are man-sized baskets full of food. Why 12 baskets? Remember the 12 disciples at the beginning of this passage who were so busy that they didn't have time to eat? Don't you think that God is showing us and them that we will experience abundant provision when we accept his compassion, his commission, and his connection to feed and love those around us in Jesus' name? What could this abundance look like for a small group that intentionally connects to two of our global workers? Well, they can ask the global workers what to pray for. And now, instead of sitting on the back row of Carver Hawkeye Arena, you're walking down the steps. And now you're sitting in the courtside seats. And just as your passion for the Hawkeyes grows when you're in Iowa City, surrounded by people who are passionate about the Hawkeyes, as you spend time getting to know your global workers, your passion for those that they are loving and serving will grow as well. You'll grow as you share the lessons that God is teaching them in the field, and you will help them as you share what you're learning. You can encourage them in the difficulties, and I know they can and will encourage you if you are willing to share your life with them. Even a simple like on a Facebook post can be a tangible expression that you have not forgotten them. When our global workers come home to visit, you can be their safe place of rest and community, and they won't have to wonder if anyone will remember them. You'll be blessed with the joy of being together in person. And Scripture reminds us that as we give freely from our hearts to our global workers, that the work which is accomplished in the field is also credited to our account. Connecting to our global workers doesn't have to take a lot of group time. Maybe once a month, one person in the group reads an update and you pray for them. Or possibly think of one way to encourage. It doesn't take a lot to make a big difference. And if your group meets and you're just not sure how to work that up, get a hold of me and we'll pray about it and think about it together. God will lead if we simply seek and make ourselves available. In closing, there's a response card on the white table in the lobby. It's right as you go out 
it'll be on your right side. There's a wooden box that you can put the response card in if you, if you choose to fill it out, if it's helpful to you. It's got several things that you might check. If you entered the family of God today, there's a box that you can check on there so that we can welcome you into God's family if you feel a little bit shy about telling someone or if you'd like to know more about what it's like to enter God's family. There's a place to check that. If you'd like to order a booklet that has all of our global workers and partner organizations, there's a box that you can check to receive one of those booklets. We originally printed up about 500, passed all those out, and, and I just don't know how many more people are interested, but if there's another 500, we'll print them and get them to you. Um, there's another box on there. Our, our, maybe if your community group talks about it, maybe you take that, take that card to your community group to guide discussion, and you say, yeah, we want two global workers. You can get that card back to the church, just plop it in the offering plate, drop it off at the office, mail it. Um, we'll, we'll take care of it. I would also like to invite you to continue these next step discussions with us at Parkview Main Campus. Tonight from 6 to 7.30, we'll gather right here. We'll sing some songs. We'll praise God for what he's doing. We'll pray and ask for his leading and then divide up into four discussion groups hosted by our global worker team and global workers. And the topics for those discussions are serving the world as a family, short-term traveling teams, making global outreach part of your community group, and connecting to the world locally. There's also some, some opportunities listed in your bulletin. There's the Friends of International Students. There's Thanksgiving outreach. There's things that maybe you've thought of that we've never even scratched the surface of. There's a place on that response card. So some empty lines. Hey, I got this idea. I'd like to talk to somebody about it. Please take advantage in whatever way is most helpful. Y'all, let's go deep together with the compassion, commission, connection, and cornucopia of Jesus and see if he doesn't do some mighty work we could never imagine on our own. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for this sweet time together. Thank you for your word that calls us up out of ourselves to something so much greater than what we can just see right in front of us. Give us great dreams of your love spreading out all over Iowa City. Give us great dreams of your love spreading out from Iowa City all over the world, Lord. Strengthen our connections with our global workers. Lord, give us just a heart to fix our eyes on you and obey you in whatever areas you're leading. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.